Welcome to the Collective Intelligence Podcast from IPG. We deliver marketing insights that help modern brands thrive. In this episode, you'll hear about the latest perspectives featured at intelligence.interpublic.com. Listen, then log on to find new opportunities for your brand to stand out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of CI Conversations. I'm Jen Sane, and I am joined today by Stacey Janicki and Carol Hainsworth from Carmichael Lynch to talk about Con 2022. And speaking of Con 2022, I hope you were all able to check out our previous episode about the event featuring thought leaders from McCann World Group. But today, we are here to talk to Stacey and Carol about their impressions of Con 2022 and what they think what they learned means for the future of creativity and agency work. Carol, Stacey, would you please introduce yourselves? Hi, everyone. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today and share a little bit about all the excitement that happened at Cam Lion this year. It was the year to be there, especially for us that work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion in multicultural space. I have the privilege to lead that work at Carmichael Lynch, and there was just a lot to see and a lot to share. So looking forward to this conversation. Hello, and thanks for having Carol and I join today. Great opportunity to relive our, our time in South of France. When asked by Carmichael Lynch uh, if we would go down and speak on behalf of the agency, Carol and I were just so excited to not only just be part of that creative environment, but also after, you know, lots of us were kind of grounded in our home offices for the last couple of years just to be around all of that creative energy and physically be in real life with people. So just as a brief aside, I'm uh, the director of account management and senior partner at Carmichael Lynch celebrating kind of 10 years at the agency and having a great opportunity to work on a wide range of clients uh, that the agency has the privilege of being able to work with. Excellent. Thank you both so much. I would love to kind of expand on what you said, Stacey, just to kick us off about it being the first in-person con since 2019. Carol, what was your experience? Did you feel that energy as well? And how is it connecting live with your peers? Well, I, I think that that was one of the things like Stacy just mentioned that made it so exciting that this industry is all about keeping with a pulse and energy of what is happening with the clients and with the creatives. And we hadn't done that in years. So it was amazing to see what is really happening and how everyone is really feeling and what amazing work we're creating and what is the energy that is creating that work. Absolutely. So, I mean, I am sure that there are so many people throughout our industry that would love to be a part of that energy around Khan. So if there was anyone interested um, in attending or even presenting, could you speak to perhaps, you know, what the pathways are to either being in attendance or actually presenting at an event like this? Yeah, you know, I was literally just having this conversation a couple of days ago um, because I was at Khan, Khan Diversity Collective in Cold Beach and Martha's Vineyard. And we were talking about how times had changed. When we first, when I first joined this industry, we had to wait many years to be considered to be able to attend this because it was all about, let's use the right term, right? Almost like the bureaucracy and like who should go, you know? And one of the things that came to life while we were in France was that times have changed. We see a lot of young creatives and young individuals. So it's all about the quality of the work that you create, the expertise that you develop, and the passion that fuels that. And if you have all of that, I think in the world that we exist today, you are a candidate for Can Lion. You have all these fellowship programs, such as the one 
as CanCan Diversity Collective that we do at Carmichael and we have the privilege to sit on that board. And there are many other programs now that are allow for younger creatives and younger people to attend CanLion. And I think that's one of those big differences that we would see. Because years ago, like we said, it had to be a seasoned executive that had an either an S or an E or a C before their title to be able to attend. But now it is the house of all the creative minds that at, of any generation. So I think that's part of those changes when we say what is happening in the industry. It's not all bad. There's a lot of amazing things like that, right? That now anyone really that is in that space of creating this magic is a candidate to attend, whether it's via fellowship program or via their own company. It was interesting because similar to that, Carol, uh, when I was sitting through the Marketer of the Year presentation at CAN, which was awarded this year to AB InBev, it was interesting. The CMO and the CEO of AB InBev were on, on the stage talking about this. And AB InBev had fallen on hard times. I think they'd had a couple bad runs at kind of Super Bowl spots. And, you know, I think kind of their marketing prowess was kind of under question. And the CMO went to the CEO and asked for, I think I'm getting the number right, 300 to send 300 people from AB InBev to CAN, which is a ridiculous amount of money if you just add it up with airfare, flights, hotels. But his his argument was this, if they don't see what we're aspiring to achieve and they're not there to witness kind of what the bar is, then we're never going to get there ourselves. And that CEO had kind of signed the check and had approved that. And, you know, five years later, you know, they were taking the trophy for Marketer of the Year, which was pretty amazing to see. Yeah, kudos to that CEO for being so forward thinking. And certainly I would hope that would be encouraging to, you know, all people within our industry. And that, I think, speaks to inclusivity. And I think that's a great, you know, kind of segue into my next question. We're trying to infuse energy and new perspectives and you know, creativity from as many different perspectives as we can into our work. Diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging and accessibility kind of came, I mean, in all that I've read and in previous conversations I had about CAN this year and certainly the other CI conversations we did, you know, I think folks were expecting things like you know, metaverse and the future of work to be the dominating topics. And certainly they were important. But I do think that DEI, B&A were kind of came out as the flagship topic at this year's event. Carol, you know, with your unique perspective that this is your daily work, could you speak to perhaps maybe three key takeaways from the multicultural DEI, B&A perspective? There were so many amazing things that we saw, but there are three key takeaways that came out of ConLion when it came to multicultural strategy and as well as inclusion and equity in the workplace. One is that transition from representation to portrayal. Before, it was enough to have the different groups in your campaign, in your message. Well, not today, right? At this point, we will, everyone is, has the sense of hunger and urgency to see that the whatever campaigns and messages are out there, that they are truly a representation of the needs and the values of those communities that are being portrayed in our campaigns. And I think there is some of it that we would account to the younger generation that has the sense of activism against how they consume media and how they consume our campaigns and how we convert them into our clients or our users. So let's give them some credit for that. But that was one of the things that was very loud and clear. And then that kind of takes us into the next step, right? In order for this to be that authentic, then we would, they would have to be at the table, right? In the, whether it's behind the scenes of the lens 
So there's a big call out of making sure that the creatives that we partner are members of the community that we are portraying in our campaigns. So that was a second one that was very clear. But you know, we couldn't do all of this in our mind before without this super engineered plan of years that went around 13 signatures and all of our partners. That was one of the key takeaways they came out of here. There's a sense of urgency. Some, and that was also palpable. Everywhere we sat, there was even language that was used in some of these panels to say, scrap that, kind of like, just do it, right? So it's not your long-term plan. It's not what you're going to do next year. It's what you're going to do on your immediately next campaign. You're going to look at your directors. You're going to look at your scripts. You're going to look at your client, look at what they have in mind, and you're going to have that level of urgency to make sure that in your next campaign is you have the proper portrayal and not representation, that the people in front and behind the lens are diverse, and that the message, once again, resonates with the needs of that audience today and how they want to be communicated with and how they consume media. So that became incredibly clear. Um, and a good example of that was when I, like I mentioned earlier about who can go to ConLion, we saw a lot of people there that they were like, I had a passion to be here. I had done this project and such and such company paid for me to be here. I met at least 10 people that said that. They did not say, and I wrote an essay and I submitted a script that I, we didn't hear that story. We heard, I wanted to be here. I'm, I have amazing work and this company paid for me to be there. So that's what I said. That, that sense of urgency is something that we've brought to Carmichael Lynch to even advance further our efforts that it's because it's really not just urgency. It's an enthusiasm to see this work move forward in our time, in real time and now. Oh, I think that's so important. And I, I mean, I love the distinction between representation and, you know, versus portrayals and then how that has to come from the people doing the work. As we have this urgency, have you seen a progression? Just mentioned that there were companies that paid for these people to be there. So you know, that's making the investment on a monetary level. Is there any way else that you have seen in our industry, companies, you know, pushing this work forward and really, like, what are the changes that, that companies are doing within the workplace to advance this work so that we can get to the next level? We would have to start by celebrating our own network and our own Philippe, I have to say, which, which, was, which was celebrated on stage because it is the first time in history that we have the head of a holding company to be a Hispanic person. And that was celebrated at Con Lion. And me being also a black Hispanic, I celebrated every single day and every time I see him, you know, and so it's, uh, I think that we are at the forefront and what a privilege it is to work for an organization that understood the call and didn't wait for someone else to do it, but we did it. We have a CEO that's, that's bilingual, that understands different cultures, the world that speaks different languages. So let's just start by that, right? That if you have someone at the top that is that person, you know, it kind of, it has to trickle down to the bottom in a genuine, in, a, in an authentic way. So, um, so I don't, like I said, I think we're, we're leading in that space because I would say they, there was a mention there that there was the largest representation of Hispanics at Con Lion that had been seen. And there was also a hashtag going around saying, uh, that it was a great year to be black at Con Lion. So I would say we would add that to the, so this, you, you can't hide the truth. When you, when you see those hashtags and when you see the people and it looks different than it ever was seen before, that means that those are the people that are sitting at the table that are doing the creative 
And what are we saying to the industry via Philippe and the amazing work that comes out of this network? You have to do it from the top to the bottom. It's not something that you do at one level or at another. So I think that um the lady Claudia from We Are Humans and Philippe, we've already put it out there. The challenge is out there. We need more people at the C level. We need more people at the leadership level that can sponsor these insights so that we can truly create diverse content, diverse campaigns, and we could really diversify the leadership within organizations. But that, ha- that that's something that happens. It's not something that we talk about, right? So I'm excited to see us lead in that way. And, and like I said, I'm I'm excited to, I'm excited for Philippe and I want more people. And I think that that's what, what I think was part of that urgency that we said. And I'm just like, I said, well, I can't say that enough. I'm so excited that we're leading the way with that. So I hope that Philippe is seeing this. We're so proud of you, Philippe. Absolutely. And just kind of, you know, continuing on, cause I agree with you so much. I mean, I, it is, it is amazing to be in an organization that values this and is, you know, really, you know, putting, putting the money and the effort and, you know, putting, putting the work behind the talk um, and just kind of continuing, you know, the celebration of IPG. Um, I know the IPG equity breakfast was a favorite among many. Um, Stacy, do you, you know, was that a favorite of yours? Did you have any takeaways from the equity breakfast? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. Again, this was my first equity breakfast, but I've been able to stream and listen and watch several of them from afar. And Philippe said something to kick off is that normally, IPG would figure out how to bring in like a big name celebrity to sit on the panel. And they had this realization that there were so many superstars just within the organization and within our client roster, broadly across all agencies, that we had all the talent we needed to to put the right people on the stage. So I think that was kind of a a pivot moment for IPG and for those breakfasts. And it was interesting because it felt like it almost felt like when you go to a play and there's multiple kind of acts of that play. That's what that breakfast felt like. I think there was a powerhouse group group of women, a very diverse group of women that spoke. There were all CMO levels of clients, which was amazing to hear from them. They had kind of leaders in the um, in the kind of medical space, and that was awesome to hear. We heard a lot about kind of obviously diversity and inclusion, but the fact that it was such a broad platform. And it, and since we brought in our clients and we brought in our agency leaders to be on the stage, it felt that much more resonant to me in terms of how I could go back and take that information, take that knowledge, take that inspiration back to my team, to my agency, as opposed to seeing kind of a celebrity snap a picture, hopefully get a handshake, um, and then kind of go on to the next panel. So I thought that was uh, an important kind of transition that IPG, you know, made with kind of a very calculated move to, to kind of focus on our own talent within our own walls. Yeah. And actually, I'm really glad you brought up about, you know, just just the idea of streaming and listening from afar, um, just so our listeners know that the Equity Breakfast is available um, for you all to watch um, and or listen to at intelligence.interpublic.com. So if you want to see, you know, for yourself what we're talking about here, that's that's a great opportunity. Carol, do you have anything to add to what Stacy just said about the Equity Breakfast? Absolutely. Well, I, I can say that I've been working in the space of audiences and for many years, decades. And I learned a lot, a ton there. I thought it was entertaining because we had an opportunity to see each other and spend time with each other. But what a learning opportunity. And I would encourage anyone that has access to this information to make sure to look at it. And I'll tell you why. Because when we think of community, we think of our own community. 
And one of the things that was very clear there is that every one of their presentations spoke about how our work shows up in different parts of the world. Specifically, the, the I'm going to use the term loosely issues regarding multicultural strategy and inclusion. You saw how is it that how does it show up and where the opportunities lie in that space. And I think that it's an opportunity to learn right from how it's how it's being handled and how does it show up in different spaces and also an opportunity for us to see where is it that we must still de like develop in that space because we're not there. Like I'll give you an example. There was a video that was shared there that we then shared with CL in our presentation that was about this. It was a disability video and it was about um, a client that had created a video that when you see it, even visually, it was for the people that were visually impaired. Right. But when they watched it, they would be able to see the video different. And I, I tell you, I literally was in tears when I was watching it because I felt like the most selfish human being. I said, all of us go out and buy the next TV and the next screen with high definition as the thing, right? Like, but never do we think, how is this being better for me, but excluding others, right? It is, is the creative that we're doing. And, and the, it was so inclusive that it wasn't just the work that was done. The talent was a person who was blind. The product that was being featured was a product that when they used it, it had like a little chip so that they could feel it. So when I saw that, I said, you know what? I said, that's inclusion at its best because you have talent that speaks for it. Visually, people of that community can view that. And I will say, I will put a call out to the industry. Come on, we're talking about urgency. We should not be creating anything that does not allow everyone to visually enjoy it. That's a very basic thing that we should do, right? So that became something that I, I had the gentleman who leads our creative, our, our chief creative officer, um, by the way, I think for sure we have one of the best in the industry. I just love his thinking. When I showed it to him, he immediately said, I love this. What can we do? So I'm saying for the entire interpublic network, what can we do? We should not be creating things that only some of us can use because we're not, not only some people consume products and consume services, right? So when we talk about inclusion, what a basic level of inclusion to create productions, things that everybody can enjoy. And really, we talk about engaging audiences. How can we engage them if we're not even producing things they can see? So that is something that touched me. And I, I, I can tell you with everything I have, I'm carrying that to my last day because it, it literally broke my heart that I could have never noticed that, right? Because I, Because of the privilege that we have to see and to see each other. Yeah, that's it's it's powerful stuff, and and like you said, on some level, it's just like why haven't we been doing this? And but I mean, it's true, and but I think it's so important that that type of work is getting called out at events like this. So then you, and then going forward, you know, people really now push for that. Like you said, and it, oh, so much of our work is is visual, and to not think that perhaps everyone can can experience it. What I think you had said just a moment ago about kind of the differences you know, based on globally where, you know, the speakers were. I was wondering if Stacy and Carol, if either one of you or both of you could kind of speak to anything that seems particularly distinct in terms of the presenter's geographic region. One of the reasons I was just grateful to have a chance to be there is we just become so myopically focused on our own worlds, even being an agency headquartered in Minneapolis. And Carol, who's also a member of our of our company, but it's actually on the East Coast. 
even that represents geographic diversity to have someone from a different part of even the U.S. to bring that thinking, that work style, different experiences they've had to bear. But when you go to the can, you realize you're part of a global community. Everything from loving the installations and seeing the work that had won. And I, I always love looking at the um, credits down below to see where those agencies are located. To the extent even that there's large, you know, renowned creative agencies, you're, you're not even really aware of all the different places in the different cities across the globe that they've got offices. So it's it's a it's totally that that um, thought we've said you know like the world is a smaller place than we realize it it is, and we're all all the work that we're doing regardless of what language we speak is all fueled by the same things right it's finding those wonderful brilliant insights that lead to these great kind of creative ideas and discoveries, and that's kind of a universal language I think it's something that kind of translates well and when you're there physically in person and you're hearing people talk as you're standing in line and you're meeting people. Um, you're aware just how global this industry is. I agree with everything Stacy said, and I, I would add to that that um, media is transformational. I, I always share the story. I was born and raised in Honduras, and uh, while I had the privilege to be able to travel a little bit because of the nature of what my father did for a living, it was there that I noticed the impact. I didn't go to any coffee shop and saw and see a celebrity or see like you would in New York City or you would in like a city like London. So every, a lot of the images that I grew up to understand were things that I saw through campaigns, whether it was in advertising or television. So that is what inspired me to join media because I knew that some of the stereotypes and perspectives were correct and some of them were not correct. So it was my life passion to figure out how I could build a living and a career where we could address those perspectives and stereotypes uh, so that we can build a, a slightly better opportunity of life for people all over the world. So I think that when we're in situations like Con Lion and we see people from all over the world and we see the depth and the scope of our own network and we see the depth and the scope of the work that we create globally, it is there that it becomes real to us that we have the ability to truly change the world. A lady from Uganda told me that once, and I'll, I always say this, because when she told me, I said, well, how incredibly aggressive, how could we really change the world? But when we are in Khan Lion, and you see that, and you see people from different different backgrounds speaking differently, the, the scope and the of our network, like I said, you realize that we have the ability to do that. It's more a matter of choice, right? And that's one of the call to actions that I said when I was on the on my panel. I said, Let's not let's not ask ourselves, do we have influence and we have power? We're in the south of France having a conversation. The question is, are we going to use it? Right. So I think that that would be the call to action that I would say from that observation that I would like for everyone to take away from this is media is the most powerful tool of change. It creates stereotypes and it dismantles the wrong ones. It opens space for women, for those that are that have disability, for those that are marginalized. And we have an opportunity to use this tool if we choose to have purpose so that that tool becomes the tool that truly changes the world. And I always like to give credit a feminist in Uganda, Dr. Maria Nasali, was who told me that day that we could change the world. And I will tell the interpublic group, we can change the world. We have a global CEO who is Hispanic that speaks to our intention to do that. We have all these resources. We're all over the world. Let's just continue to work in purpose in the purpose that we're already seeing 
so that we can truly do that because media is transformational and we have the ability to do that. And we are, and we're going to do it with the urgency and the spirit that we received in Khan Lion because we can. I love that so much. And I feel so energized by it to go about my daily work now, keeping those principles in mind. And I definitely think it speaks to the greater reach of advertising, because really, at the end of the day, there's likely a very small population globally that doesn't interact with media or encounter advertising in some way. So if that's part of most people's daily life, then yeah, let's make sure it's not perpetuating the wrong things and is a force for good. I want to add one last thing. My particular panel was with on Stereotype Alliance, and it had to do with domestic violence. It was kind of like the underlying part of the conversation in terms of like how in a study from Google Truths, they spoke about one of the most searched terms was, is it okay for my husband or my boyfriend to hit me? And this was like during the pandemic and immediately post, uh, like the not post, they're still kind of in it, but, but essentially 2020, 2021. And what do we know? about uh, what is democracy in term in media it's digital it's cell phones if i've been in haiti in some of the poorest spaces in my own country in honduras some of the poorest spaces and people have a cell phone so that goes back to purpose what an opportunity we have when we create these integrated campaigns to utilize digital and media so that we can save lives with utilizing those platforms because that is that is how we democratize the opportunity to help those that are voiceless and are in greatest need by simple things as creating codes, you know, and there's just so many things where we can get creative because we're there. When we create these multi-platform campaigns, digital and mobile are a part of those campaigns. So it's about thinking about it in that way, right? And thinking that what is the democracy of our platforms and what is the opportunity that we have via those platforms because if that is the most uh, searched term right now, there is something that we need to do. Because as I mentioned on my panel, women need to feel safe in the workplace and they need to feel safe at home. And if we have an opportunity to do that, we should take every opportunity we have to lean into that insight and lean into that opportunity to create that campaign that advances the safety of women all over the world. Absolutely. And, you know, having this important platform and the ability to do this work. I think, you know, you've said, you said the word in different iterations and I think we all do every day and it's create creativity. You know, that is the tool in our collective tool belt that we can bring to do all the work, whether it's, you know, purpose driven and to enact amazing change like that, or to just entertain and amuse and lighten. I mean, there's just the gamut of what we, we have the ability to do and put forth. So kind of keeping with that in terms of creativity, um, this, again, just, just the, the lifeblood of our industry and then, you know, arguably some of the best, if not the best creative minds in the world were gathered here. I would love to know, you know, what kind of trends and themes did you observe amongst the winning entries? Stacey, if you might have some thoughts to start us off. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the first, which is just a good segue from what Carol's been talking about, is, you know, the work has to matter, right? It used to be that these ideas were all about how they made a difference to a brand. And now, frankly, you look at the winners and disproportionately, it's work that's made a difference to the world. And then the brand can obviously benefit from that. But like you had said before, like, you know, obviously, 
diversity and inclusion is at the forefront in our industry for all the reasons Carol spoke about. And while there's other trends, obviously, everyone was expecting to hear and talked about, and they were, you know, the metaverse and data stacks and all the things, you know, what's different now is diversity inclusion isn't a separate topic. It's how diversity inclusion is thread throughout all of those elements of the work we do. But I think when you talk about the work has to matter, it's, we saw everything, there are a lot of sustainability campaigns that were out there getting recognition a lot of still kind of women's rights and women's equality issues. I think it was interesting. The panel I had a chance to speak on um, was celebrating the 50th anniversary of um, Title IX, which was an amazing thing to celebrate in the company of some other really great women on the panel I was on. Um, and we had the ability at Carmichael Lynch this year to do a great program for our client H&R Block that helped recognize female athletes. Um, it's called a fair shot that gave them NIL money and, and help by way of tax services to figure out what to do with these these college athletes now that are coming into name, image, and likeness money that they previously had not come into. So again, the work has to matter. Um, you saw a lot of brands doing that. I think a, another thing that I saw as a trend is this notion of activation over ads. I mean, look back only to maybe a decade ago, and it was all about the film, right? And, and the commercial and that's still present. It's really interesting. You don't see an idea that's made that's award-winning, even if it's a installation or a physical activation or event that doesn't have a video or visual component of it. It's still the asset and the medium that creates and evokes all of the senses and all of the emotions. Like Carol spoke about the ad that we show that I believe was a, Carol, was it a MasterCard commercial? Um, but it's still the film, even though the idea might have might have been activated in different ways in this product development story, um, which leads me to my, my the last thing that I thought was interesting. And, and I was also kind of curious if this was just where the agency world is heading or whether this was something that was spurred on perhaps um, through COVID and work from home was just this notion that agencies were winning awards by getting into the product development R&D space, you saw products being developed, whether, and usually we've seen that like AI tools and apps and things like that, but I'm talking about actual physical products, whether it's a CPG company and it's another product or a line extension, or if it's a new packaging idea. And, you know, there's been some speculation that perhaps the ability for people to work more from home allows kind of our creativity and our thinking to be more conducive to kind of engineering as well as just integrated collaborative idea development, because you, you can find and carve out those spaces to be thinking about how an idea extends beyond kind of just their traditional scope. So um, I'm sure Carol can add to that, but those were kind of the three biggies that I saw and observed. Well, you're spot on as usual, uh, Stacey. We, we saw that amplification opportunity and and I think that was definitely something to keep in mind and the role of metaverse I mean it was everywhere also AI was another thing that was another tool that we we saw that was was spoken about a lot so I do believe that those are some of the some of the key things that I don't want to be repetitive of some of the things because really Stacy kind of nailed it also the the integration of of DEI as a part of the campaigns in a more in a very seamless way that that showed up very clearly in some of the the wins. Most of the most of them had some sort of purpose to it. So I think I I think the the key is to remove the option of whether doing purpose driven campaign is an option. It's what the industry wants to see. It's what the audience wants to see. 
So I think that there's no longer, I mean, there's no longer an option of, of, of that being a path to follow. I think there should be some sort of deeper message and deeper purpose to our creativity, to our work, to our campaigns, to our services, as well as to our products themselves. Like Stacy mentioned, I think it has to be a little bit of a more thoughtful approach in order for it to stand out, which eventually also means for it to convert into something that the audience will either consume or engage with. I think that became, like like Stacy mentioned, it just became something that was very, very, very clear. Yeah, I, I would add just really briefly what Carol was saying is to be clear, because we've spot, spent a lot of time talking about how agencies have leaned in um, to kind of purpose-driven work. And I don't think we're doing it just for the sake of being like the way a nonprofit would lean into the values of being kind of a purpose-driven organization. Obviously, it reflects the values of IPG and our individual agencies, but also let's not forget, because ultimately we're creating things that have to move product, move services. We're doing it because it's what customers and prospective customers demand. They want to connect with brands and with companies and even the companies that, that work for those brands that reflect their value systems. So to me, this has moved from, I think the pivot we've seen over the last maybe three, five years is this isn't even Carol's role, right? Is not one of just an offshoot of HR. This is a business imperative and how you take diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you bake it into multicultural strategy, the way we're doing at Carmichael Lynch in terms of how we're building our creative briefs, how we're thinking about comms planning. It becomes a more business imperative as much as it is, obviously, because it's the right thing to do. So um, just wanted to kind of make that point even even more clearly. Yeah, and it's funny when, when Stacey mentioned that, because when I was interviewing for this particular role, I thought it was so critical that I say that. I was like, I am a business person. I am an MBA with a with strategy background in marketing. I have a and I have knowledge and experience in audiences and how to engage them. And I'm I'm saying that to say that we at Carmichael Lynch and the practice, we we that is also how we structured. So because we really do believe that it doesn't mean that in order for this to be have the integration that we need, it has to be that you understand the business imperative and the marketing imperative that essentially means it's the audience, right? Because, and I, I do believe that that's an important transition opportunity, whether it's in externally. And I think that's what's helping us at Carmichael Lynch. I think our clients, it's helping the work that we do and in the workplace that we have that understanding. I'm not quite sure that I could say that that's a commonly understood thing. I think uh, companies are putting the person at the table, but I don't know that they're understanding that all they're doing is creating resonance with the audience. I'm not quite sure. I think that it's coming soon because we're seeing more of it, but I'm not quite sure that it's a natural understanding that it has to resonate. And in order for it to resonate, then it's all of the, all of the above of what we've been talking about. But yeah, it, it is a business. So thank you so much, Stacey, for bringing that up because it's like you say, it's a business imperative and, and it has, um, community benefits, but it is a business imperative. So thank you for highlighting that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do think that was such an important point. I mean, it is it, it, at the end of the day, it's it's good business. And I do think particularly these younger generations are going to, I think you said the word earlier, Stacey, demand it. I mean, and again, it's and they will sniff out if a company is just checks, you know, or a brand is just checking boxes or if it is absolutely at the core of their values and inculcated into everything from strategy to planning to execution. Um, 
So yeah, absolutely. That is a really important takeaway. Kind of like while we're on this conversation of the work, you know, just again, stepping, stepping back to the winners, Carol, you had spoken earlier about MasterCard, just really, you know, triggering that emotional response in you. I would just be curious from the both of you, what just kind of wowed you in terms of innovation or entertainment or, you know, products development? What, what was just some of the stuff that just blew your mind? So I have like a selfish thing to share here, but so there was a gentleman who sat next to me on my flight and he was with Adidas and uh, Fluid, one of their campaigns was one of the winners. And our flight was not a pleasant flight all the way over there. And uh, so we kept looking at each other and all kinds of, you know, like, oh my, are we really going to make it to the south of France? But in any event, <laughs> that created a conversation since we get it, we didn't get to sleep in our overnight flight. So we were all just dealing with the bumpiness of the flight. He was from Brazil. And to make a long story short, we and he and I spoke about the historical experience that it was for he and I, from where we come from, to have the opportunity to be at Khan Lion and to present at Khan Lion. And he explained to me a little bit about his journey, where the part of Brazil, where he's from and everything he had to do to be seen in the, at his, in his work to be brought, you know, to this. And then when he sent me an email, we, we sent, we gave each other's information and he sent me a message on LinkedIn and he said, Hey, he said, we won. For me, it was a redeeming moment that I cannot begin to explain to you what that meant to me. Because he and I spoke about the anxiety that we had. You have to understand, and this industry has to understand, that some people go to the, to Khan Lion by design. The fact that he and I could even be there is a pure miracle. Based on where we're from, and, and to see him win, and to see what he sent in his message, I literally had chills when I read his message. Because I knew the whole flight, like we said, our anxiety was not the plane. Our anxiety was what we carried with us, and where we came from. And what we knew it meant to be at Khan Lion, being a black Hispanic from Honduras, being a person from the community that he came from in Brazil, it just was a completely different experience. So for me, I celebrate Fluid, I celebrate his journey, and I celebrate all the journeys of people like me that were there as a miracle. You know, so that, that, that's what stood out to me. And so I, I think of all those creatives who, who's like we said when I spoke, who the rosaries of our grandmothers and our grandparents got us to Khan Lion and, the support and the hard work of our parents got us to come line. So that's, that's how I celebrate all those people. I will take it to a completely different level and I'll ground this in saying I have an 18 year old boy that eats more food than it's humanly possible for one individual to eat. And much like the rest of the adult male, young male population, the last couple of years, we've seen just this spike in fried chicken consumption. And there's kind of this chicken wars that's kind of going on right now. So at the beginning of the pandemic, you take that like already inherent cultural kind of trend amongst kind of that audience, and then you marry it with all of the supply chain issues we've having. And there was basically in like 2021, a chicken wing shortage, which is just hilarious to think about. And one of the Grand Prix winners was actually Wingstop, which agency of record is Leo Burnett, Chicago office. And they had this idea and this kind of taps into what I was talking about of agencies getting into product development and like, where's the blurry line stop between agency and packaging company and product development and R&D and, and brand. But they had this idea to 
basically create a virtual brand in response to this chicken wing shortage. And they made chicken thighs available, which were readily available and affordable to purchase and made them available for delivery and carry out by creating a new offshoot brand called Thigh Stop instead of Wing Stop. And they made them available for delivery or carry out. So it was a virtual experience. And it was really interesting because it turned this you know, basically this business pain point because Wingstop wasn't able to fulfill on orders to clients and turned it into this business opportunity where they actually made money, you know, got PR, earned buzz, gathered new customers. And the thing that I think is amazing is it's so hard to pull off something like that so quickly. And to know they did that and activated and had a client partner with them to be able to turn that around quick enough to take advantage of this kind of pain point turn into opportunity to me, it was pretty impressive. And it's just, I think thigh stop, it just sounds funny too. <laughs> it does. That's amazing. And, you know, and I mean, and it's funny, but it does really speak to, again, you know, the creativity and forward thinking, you know, and pivoting from the creative mind to the more product development mind, the problems that you can solve. And it just shows that it goes from flipping a pain point, you know, in the supply chain on its head to also evoking change like we've been talking about. It's just... It shows the breath, and but at, but always rooted in the tenets of our industry, which is this creativity. And I think it's important to remember we can still have fun in this business, right? It's why a lot of us got into it, and we want to make stuff that puts a smile on people's faces. And I think after two years of COVID, and we saw, I, I think that's kind of one last creative observation I would note is I think we went through 18 months of seeing a lot of things that talked about unprecedented times and the same piano track string interludes that came into every commercial we saw on TV. And it was fun to see the energy and the fun brought back into our industry and get a little flavor of that, a little return to that. It felt in addition to just people being in person for the first time that like some of that energy and that vibrancy is kind of coming back into what we do. That's interesting. I mean, that was even notable, I think, this year in the Super Bowl advertising. I think, you know, previous years, it was very much, you know, kind of tugging on the heartstrings. But I, you kind of did see the, you know, the nostalgia, all the, the 90s callbacks and the fun. And it's true. I mean, and that definitely has a has its place. And, and again, just serves a purpose in this crazy world. <laughs> yeah, I also think it's important to protect the platform that ConLion is, because I previously to be going you hear so much that is people go there to party and to drink rosé and the actual truth is so far from that right and uh and everyone there themselves is there with so much purpose and being there even the badge says it you're delegates so everyone that goes there is a delegate of their of their work of their thoughts of the creative energy and i think that we have to continue to conserve those platforms that allow us to have this type of interaction where great thoughts and great minds have a home Right. And I, so, so I just wanted to flag out because that was one of the key takeaways for me that Con Lion is not a rose party. It's actually a party of creativity and, and that must be conserved and protected. I love that. And actually, that's a great way to wrap up. And as we're looking to wrapping up, I was just, you know, is there anything else that would just, you would be absolutely remiss in not sharing on a podcast about Con 2022? Yeah. Let, let's continue to make space. For others, that is a critical part of this work. Like I said, as we are moving in this direction of inclusion, inclusion is not just in the campaigns, it's also in the types of individuals that have the opportunity, these opportunities to go to ConLion. Uh, change is only transformational when you give up your seat. So I just wanted to call out, I'll, you know, 
all of the people that go every single year and have 15 badges sitting in there at home uh, to make space for other executives so that they also could have the opportunity to go to Conlion, to have this experience, to be featured and exposed. I think that is critical. That is at the heart of the Con Collective that, like I said, that we sit on the board of making Con more diverse. But in order for it to be diverse, as you all know, inclusion is about making space for others. So I am so excited, you know, that I was given the opportunity, but it's only worth something if I have the conversation about allowing other people to go and other people to be exposed, you know, because that is what true equity and inclusion is. It's about making space. Absolutely. Stacey, any, any parting words? As we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the power of being in person, obviously it was the first time in Cannes since 2019, since people we're together again. And just the thing that I thought about as I was getting on the plane going back is the need for agencies in our industry to be intentional about those moments when we can come back together and create that energy, create that inspiration. As we approach, you know, a fresh year of award seasons, as we think about how we're purposeful about getting people in the office at the right times for, you know, work sessions, brainstorms, just to remember some of that magic still is happens only when we're all together. So how do we marry what we've learned about ourselves and how we can be effective and work remote with some of the magic that comes when we're intentional about also trying to be together in person? Because I, I mean, like the one thing it reinforced for me after being in this almost 25 plus years is I love this business. And I love this because I challenge anyone to find an industry where you can meet so many inspirational, creative people and have, frankly, just so much fun. And to have more opportunities to do that and to be to be reminded of that, I think is important to think about as we all um, start to define what the future of work looks like in our respective agencies. Yeah, I love that. It definitely it makes you know it makes me hopeful and looking forward to the future and what our industry produces and and what happens at Con twenty twenty three. So thank you both so much for being here. Wonderful conversation. And thank you so much to our listeners. Just a reminder that these podcasts, as well as insights and ideas from around the IPG network, are available on intelligence.interpublic.com. Thank you for listening to the Collective Intelligence Podcast. For more marketing insights and ideas, please subscribe to this podcast or visit intelligence.interpublic.com.